0: So, you're the one everyone's afraid of? Tell me
1: something. What kind of fa- Marilyn Manson can walk into our town and promote hate, violence, suicide, death, drug use, and Columbine-like behavior. I can say- Oh,
0: wow! <laughs> Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate on me, Take a look around! Dodge this.
1: Welcome to Take a Look Around. I'm at the New Metal Pizza Hut. What? I'm at the Cinema Taco Bell. What? I'm at the combination New Metal Pizza Hut and <laughs> Cinema Taco Bell.
2: Fantastic. How, how are you going today, Sean?
1: I'm wonderful, Al. I'm wonderful. First things first. You'll be leaving in a hearse. We've got a wonderful show planned for you. But as always, I would like a little drum roll, if you will, because I've been scouring the horizon, scanning to find out what new metal films are on the horizon for the year 2020. Okay, for the year 2020, our year of our lord, there is one new metal film. Fucking remit. We are introduced to Vin Diesel, who is a loving family man and marine brought back to life by cybernetics and Guy Pierce to become the soldier of bloodshot. It looks absolutely ridiculous. And due to... COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you're going to call it, it's not going to make it to 500 million. that We all expected it to, unfortunately. Son of a bitch. Son Son of a bitch. A man (laughs) can dream.
2: Keen listeners may have heard the third voice in the room and asked, Al, Sean, who the bloody hell is that? Well, it would give me nothing but the greatest pleasure in my life to introduce a very dear friend, a very good pal. He's our first guest. He's one of the greatest guys I know future slash crime
1: hi dina
0: Uh, (laughs) hi sean How are things up north?
1: Things are getting bleak up north.
2: (laughs) What are you talking about? We're all in the same room.
1: (laughs) Yeah, up here in the Oakwood converted studios, we bought the takings from the first three episodes in a converted uh, pole house (laughs) in the Blue Mountains.
2: I'm playing lap steel. And I'm playing the (laughs) chug as well. Dita, before we get into this fantastic movie, please give us your credentials. Please let us know... A, all about your music as Future Slash Crimes, and B, what horror movies and new metal means to you.
0: Well, uh, my music's actually more '80s sounding. It's definitely not new metal, unfortunately. Whoa, what the fuck? Why would you let this guy in <laughs> the podcast now? <laughs> uh,
1: oh geez. I had a bit of a listen in the lead up, some comparisons for our listeners, things. I was reminded a bit of some of the Cronus Quartet's work on Michael Mann's Heat soundtrack, yeah. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, Michael Mann is one of my favourites and he always uses moody synthesised music to perfect effect, so the Michael Mann soundtracks, Manhunter soundtrack, Thief soundtrack, Tangerine Dream are a big big influence on on me.
1: So what prompted you then to stray away from the cool sounds of Murder Dolls and Mudvane into a more cinematic landscape with your music making?
0: I kinda really don't like new metal that much. Like what the fuck and is this? I'm actually more of a hair metal guy. Uh, so <laughs> no. Al, your
2: friend no, is I'm fucking so sorry, with so me. So
1: sorry.
0: What was your introduction to
1: new metal and new metal cinema?
0: I would say Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Ah,
1: uh, a foundational tech.
0: <laughs> you could probably do an episode on, on that. Like, everybody had that game and loved those songs and heard them a Restarting million times over. started soundtrack every time until you got
1: Gorilla Radio and you got to ride out to Lights Out. Fuck me dad, that was good as yeah. hell
0: Yeah, that's good <laughs> shit
1: <laughs> Now if you're done talking about yourself um, <laughs> I'd like to introduce Freddy vs. Jason Directed by Ronnie Yu From the Year of Our Lord 2003
2: Morning. Roll clips Morning, everyone.
0: Welcome to mine my-
2: Why won't you die? Freddy versus Jason. Alrighty, Freddy versus Jason. Well. This film starts with Freddy explaining his whole M.O., kind of molesting children and haunting kids it's in their backstory. dreams.
1: yeah. So it's interesting that this is probably, uh, I, I'm not sure, actually they touch on it a bit in The Dream Child, that Freddy is not just a child yeah, killer, he's yeah. a child molester. Which is, it's it's always been there in the subtext, but I feel like this is the first episode. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's
2: yucky. Uh, Robert England, aka Freddy, just licks the back of this disgusting photo of a poor girl he's probably maimed. He obviously classically gets burnt alive, which is how Freddy became Freddy.
1: He's murdered by the townspeople of Elm Street because the yeah. cops are too busy protecting him and Freddy's
2: island, Little St. <laughs> Freddy. Yeah. This goes all the way to the top, man. <laughs> you don't even yeah, know. Follow the money. <laughs> so yeah, Freddy explains that over time, the children of what's the town? Dita Winwood have forgotten. Steve Winwood have uh, spring spring-wood. springwood have forgotten all about Freddy and his molestations and all of the uh, ill crimes that he's committed among society. Yeah, they're thinking about cooler
0: crimes. Future. <laughs> yeah. Crimes. Hey. Whoa.
2: <laughs> yeah. So Freddy explains to us that. Uh, People have forgotten about him and that fucking hurts, man. That stings. That's a real bitch in his words.
0: To, to quote the man, being dead wasn't a problem, but being forgotten, now that's a bitch.
1: <laughs> this is one of six times that Robert England will use the word bitch throughout the film. His iconic catchphrase.
0: Yeah, they really pushed the... The B word. And
1: they pushed some other
2: lettered words, but
0: we'll get to that later. <laughs> <title. laughs> yeah, which we'll discuss! <laughs> yeah, this movie's got a lot of slurs. Definitely uh, dates it to 2003.
2: I mean, even in the movie, it's never really explained why he resurrects Jason. I mean, it is explained, but it still just doesn't make any sense.
0: Uh, I, th- I think it's pretty clear.
1: I think his plan is he's gonna kill the kids, he's gonna kill the kids of Elm Street using Jason. Oh right. Because he doesn't have any dream powers because no one is scared of him anymore, so Jason is doing his dirty work for him. I'm a fool
0: to do your dirty work, Go oh, yeah.
2: You know after, after this fantastic introduction by Freddie, at the 7 minute mark we are treated to our first taste of new Metal. Uh, Dita, do, do you remember what song it was?
0: Uh, it's the Spine Shanks song.
2: Oh, cool. Probably the
0: best track. On yeah, because the- it's that. Ah, I don't ever want to burn a That one.
1: Yeah, that one's sick. <laughs> so, in Elm Street, at 1426 Elm Street, the home of the Nightmare on Elm Street original franchise. Whoa. I know. Uh, we are treated to. A little love-in with some boozy babes inviting over a couple of fellas. Now, no one seems to be having a good time in this sequence. Yeah, they're playing
0: merry fuck or kill. the, The
1: lamest party I've ever seen. And it got me thinking, was there ever a worse time to be a teenager than this era of the late 90s, early 2000s? It's just... These girls are just getting felt up by a guy that would go on to sell subprime mortgage <laughs> loans while Counting Crows plays and they drink mid-strength beer. It, it sounds truly awful, like spending a night with Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Come on, man. we got him. <laughs> Jason appears out of nowhere after um, our friends practice some self-care and some self-isolation <laughs> <Yeah>. after bonking <laughs> and he proceeds to smoosh a guy in a strumble bed. Yeah, it's a good kill. Yeah, according to the commentary, was very frowned upon by the executives and the writers and producers of the film had to act it out
2: to make sure that it appeared It's a good kill. Great job. Who, who was... Was Weinstein one of the producers on this, or was that for that'd Halloween? It's going to be Halloween. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. There's only I mean, room
0: for one sex offender in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's me, Freddy. Oh!
2: <laughs> so after this vicious murder by Jason... The police show up, as they should, in a neighbourhood like Elm Street. And the new kid on the block, the new policeman, overhears the two senior policemen talking about somebody called Freddy. After asking about Freddy, the chief says... Hey, shut the hell up! Stop talking about Freddy Krueger! Which <laughs> seems kinda weird because uh, they were the ones who brought it up. So, I guess after this vicious murder, one of the characters, Blake, gets attacked by Freddy in his dream, but Freddy is unable to attack him because his dream powers aren't enough. Blake wakes up from his nightmare and gets confronted by his dad, who kinda looks like a young Alex Jones from Infowars. <laughs> <laughs> The dad breaks him to only get a response from Blake saying, My
1: best friend was just killed, Dad.
2: So how about giving me some fucking space? You watch yourself,
0: boy. <laughs> I'm truly
2: fantastic, eh? And then uh Blake talks to himself saying, Somebody named saying, Freddy.
0: I'm gonna
2: take him out myself, Trey. I swear to God. Yeah. Trey
1: is such a fantastic name that's been forgotten since this era. There's not enough Trey's anymore. So then we're greeted to Freddy attempting to kill uh, Trey's friend. I think his name is Brett, maybe. He talked about feng shui earlier. Freddy is unable to attack him and claims that he's not strong enough yet. Which, I swear to God, Robert England is just... He's not himself in this film. I watched the couple of Nightmare on Elm Street's ahead of this i'm a big fan of the series and he's really larger than life in those films even up until 1992's new nightmare but by the time this roll around he has like all of the presents like, uh, one of those horny greeting cards you give your dad when he turns <laughs> no. 60 it's no. he's really pathetic he, he reminds yeah. me of when like uh like an old dog gets up to say hi to you and you're just kind of a bit sad it's like hanging out with al oh, ladies and
0: gentlemen we got a, him. a lot of his jokes even in the movie literally feel like some drunk uncle at christmas saying really offensive stuff and you he's wish really stop.
1: leery isn't he
0: oh yeah like Sean. <laughs> yeah. shut the fuck up al <laughs> ladies and gentlemen Oh. We got him. So I've got the uh, score here of Sean sitting on three and Alistair on one for sick burns. Uh, Any more, Alistair, you'll look like a ready oh! hey! <laughs> So anyway, ooh, ooh.
1: everyone is having a, a bad time at school after this incident. We're treated to a brief uh, yeah. dream sequence in a police station that's probably got the majority of the film's special effects budget. It's the only time this film really feels like it's kind of achieving what it's going for. And yeah, and then some other fellas are having a bad time in a mental institution.
2: Yeah, well, not said about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, Will um, <laughs> and
1: Mark... Uh, Two crazy crazy characters with some ties to some of the other characters in the film who are attempting to break out of the mental institution when they find out that there's been a murder at 1426 Elm Street now this is supposed to be like this real dark indictment of the prison and the mental health industry but the closest thing this sequence reminded me to was when junior soprano was trying to take over the old folks home with the guy with bipolar (laughs) it's it's unintentionally very stupid and very funny (laughs) So, uh, Will, turns out, he is the main character, Laurie, who was getting felt up earlier, like a strange boyfriend who disappeared suddenly, and he's on his way back to reveal the secrets of what's really going on in Elm Street. Meanwhile, all the kids at school go to a party in a a cornfield, which is like a fully functioning red. It's a bush doof. Of course.
0: A A corn doof.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's a
0: (laughs) corn doof. It's a Midwest bush doof.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Where Jason (laughs) appears and he stabs this guy who's covered in glow sticks. This film is pretty heavy on the date rapist angle at a lot of times, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but that's why these slashes work is because in their own weird way, Freddy and Jason are these kind of conservative killers that, that kill naughty teens. You know, part of, part of the pleasure of something like this is seeing dickheads get macheted and then hurled into the air and <laughs> it's, it's it's good stuff. I really like the kill where... There's B-grade Jack Black and, uh, the fat guy, and then the other guy making fun of Jason calling him a, like, corn corn poke, poke and And then Jason just twists the guy's head around, like, mid-sentence, and the other guy grabs a tiki torch and now, uh... Uh, slightly more controversial uh, piece of paraphernalia, and sets Jason on fire. <laughs> um, and then you get that great—I, I think it's a good sequence when he's just walking around the corn duffers, uh, like cutting people, and it's—it's it's real blood. It's not CG. Like you. You're seeing some good blood work and uh, yeah, I I think it seems great. It does look
1: really cool because he's on fire and all these lacrosse players are running at him with beers and just getting murdered.
0: Yeah. And then a keg A beer puts him out. (laughs) Did
2: you guys notice that, um, that whole scene, anytime they would cut to Jason on fire, it would just
0: be in slow motion for no reason. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, that shitty slow motion (laughs) that's not real slow motion. They've just slowed the frame down. Yeah. Yeah, like...
1: I think they have to put it in slow motion, really, because... For those firewalk scenes, you get maximum 30 seconds of oxygen before the fire burns through the fire suit. So those are shot in real controlled bursts. Mm. Cool. Sorry to uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. To <No>. <laughs> anyway,
1: all of the teens escape in the Scooby Doo van. Treated to the single the single best line of the film where the stoner Jason Mewes character talking about Jason says,
0: Who cares about some fucking dream guy, okay? Psycho like on the hockey mask was real. Dude, that goalie was pissed about something. We need to find the police. No, no, Yo. fuck the police. Police, police, police. <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> well, I, I could not stop laughing when I heard that. Yeah. So all the teens decide that that the only way to take away Freddy's powers, because they decide they're going to kill Freddy first, is they have to go to the mental institution and get this drug called Hypnosil that suppresses your dreams. Because dreams are Freddy's power. Mm. And they uh, rock up to the mental institution and go looking for Freddy and Jason and 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 our lovely stoner character. He needs a jaybreak after 30 seconds. After thirty seconds of not smoking weed, he decides he needs to. Well, we were treated to one of single, singularly poor choices in a film of this era, which is Freddie as the CGI hookah smoking caterpillar, which I think is some kind of <laughs> Alice in Wonderland reference, Scott.
0: I really like that I was bit just too. Around the
1: room, at no one just trying and not they- to look at the screen.
0: Oh, no. The special features on the Blu-ray, like, when they go through the special effects, you see, like, the early versions of the Caterpillar, and they're so bad. And then, like, one of the supervisors, too, is, like... Oh, I really argued for that scene, like the brass said it was too expensive, but I fought for it (laughs) in the movie. Please
1: have a look at our Instagram
2: to see some earlier versions of uh, the Caterpillar, which we will post. So after this scene, uh, somehow the police chief deputy man gets absolutely fucking ganked by Jason and uh, the nerdlinger of the group gets a gun. Which, as we all know, Nerds with Guns usually Hell, ends yeah. pretty well for people in America. <laughs> uh, <laughs> especially during <this laughs> yeah, yeah, Kids that listen to new metal. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Actually, um, Kelly Rowland says a line where she oh, references yeah, Columbine yeah. at the start. of Peter, you're
2: cool. Don't go to school tomorrow. <laughs> 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 so this is kind of where i um realized i stopped paying attention as i kind of do with all of these movies at around the 70 minute mark i just kind of forget what i'm doing and start staring at the wall until the movie wraps up so
1: basically yeah from here on out it just becomes a free-for-all of freddy versus jason and for a lot of people that have been waiting for this film since 1986 when it was first teased I can only imagine that they were pretty pissed off because it's it's piss poor. Yeah.
0: But, like, it's it's a wrestling match. It looks like a lead-up to some silly wrestling match. And, I don't know, they pump the new metal just, like, just like they would in, in the the wrestling of this time, and they're doing crazy stuff. It could have been worse. I, I was I was reading. Um, they initially wanted like Freddie <laughs> to do kung fu because <laughs> they were like, well, he's the smaller one, so like he he'll he'll need like these advantages of that kung fu provides to fight against Jason. <laughs> So it could have been worse.
1: (laughs) And him being a smaller one led to one of the more controversial decisions of the film, which was that the New Line cinema executives, which are responsible for the Nightmare on Elm Street series, really were the driving force of the film. And so instead of casting long-term Jason actor Kane Hodder, they decided they really wanted a big versus little matchup. And instead, cast Ken Kurzinger, a stunt double from earlier Friday films, to fill in for Kane. And it, in turn, Jason's magic is kind of lost. He he wanders around like an NPC in a video game.
0: Yeah, he's a slower. Yeah, C- Kane Hodder's is a lot more frantic. Jason, and this is a bit more slow, lumbering. He's kind of treated like Frankenstein Absolutely. in a yep. way, in terms of like. Yeah, like the audience sympathy has to go to him. He's this misunderstood creature kind of thing. They, they definitely play into that, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Now, something I didn't work out the first time I watched this film, I have four separate notes that say I'm not entirely sure what's going on right now. But I realised <laughs> on my rewatch prior to this interview is that the townspeople, including laurie the main character's father have put old mate in the mental institution and suppressed everyone's dreams to stop Freddy from coming back to life that yeah that didn't mean any that I, that was not telegraphed very well the first
2: that, time that's one it. of the the notes i have as well where all of a sudden it's like wait the dad's a doctor and he's been doing like i that just came out of absolutely fucking nowhere for me as well man
0: Oh, really? You guys hi There's a line where she's Dave like, Dad, I thought you were oh. a general <laughs> practitioner. And he's like, I do some <laughs> consulting at Western Hills from time to time. Now now take your orange juice. Or oh, whatever. yeah, that's right. <laughs> I just thought he was a good dad. <laughs> it helps if you've seen the movie 20 times. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough.
1: So, Jason and Freddy are blown up, cut to pieces by Laurie and Jason Ritter, only for Jason to emerge just before the credits, holding Freddy's decapitated head. Freddy winks at the audience and then, bam, cut to new metal. So, fellas, what do we say? Who won this flick? Freddy or Jason.
2: Uh, I'm gonna say the audience won. (laughs) This is (laughs) I
0: I would say Jason Ritter won because he was he survived. So Jason (laughs) but Jason parenthesis Ritter. One Freddy vs. Jason.
1: Since I asked a serious question <laughs> and expected a serious answer, I am going to go with Jason because he is fully <laughs> attacked at the end of the film as opposed to Freddy, that is just a severed head.
2: Yeah, but he winks, so that means he's got some kind of devious plan.
0: Technically, Monique Keener's character, aka Laurie, is the one that kills Freddy. Jason actually you know, falls back into the lake first, then she decapitates Freddy, then we get that ambiguous ending. So I'm going to have to go with the uh, Freddy on this one.
1: All right, we got one for Freddy, one for Jason, one for audience. If our fans <laughs> could please hit us up on social media, we are going to post a poll. Now, the development of the film. This was in development hell for years. Yeah, yes. They've been toying with this idea for years and years. Various different directors were offered this film, including Peter Jackson and Rob Zombie, who at the time were directing Lord of the Rings and House of a Thousand Corpses. So, uh, yeah, they uh, I feel like they made the right decision. Now, Ronnie Yu, the director... He had recently just brought another film franchise back to life with The Delightful Bride of Chucky, Sweet. which will be covered on a later episode of Take <clears throat> a Look Around. And I feel like he, he's an interesting choice. He comes from a, a Hong Kong action background, who I'm a really big fan of. So when this film kind of like hits those moments, like the bush doof, corn the doof scene... And some of the um, nightmare sequences, I feel like Ronnie Yu is firing on all cylinders. I I, I liked his direction.
2: Yeah, I, I really think um, there's that Jason dream sequence where he's going out onto that house in the middle of Crystal Lake, that uh, I- that was you know, I- just watching that, I was like, fuck, this is really well shot. Uh, it's just really yeah. kind of trippy and cool to look at. Like all of the Freddy nightmarey bits are really really well done, which is a shame about like the rest of the fucking movie.
0: Yeah, well, a, l- a little bit of trivia. The design of the boiler room with, like, all the unnecessary pipes and boilers and everything like that is um based off this uh, city in China that had, like, no, like, regulations with zoning and things like that. So it was, like, you got these huge apartment complexes that have been put together in, like, a ad hoc fashion and, like, they have all these drainage pipes on the outside everywhere and it has this like chaotic look to it again something you get if you have the blu-ray of this film you can uh, listen to the production oh design i feel like some of
1: the choices in this film are hamstrung by the era it's from we've teased a bit about um some of the the choices of language in this film Oh my goodness, there's a particular oh, scene yeah. that I'm sure is replaying right now in all three of our heads in which uh, Kelly Rollins tries to attract Freddie's attention, and he turns to her and says... The worst bit is that the minute that he says dark meat,' you're like, that's the worst part of the film. And two and a half seconds later... She drops the F-bomb, and you're like, oh, no, that's the worst
2: part of the film. I'll drop the clip here. <laughs> no, no, Al, just
0: yeah, quote yeah, it. Al, do you reckon you could quote it? Oh, uh, yeah, sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you do it, Al. So maybe
1: chuck a, chuck a viewer discretion is advised over
2: the top of that. <laughs> uh, Dieter and I were watching this together, and he laid the bit of trivia on me that apparently that scene was, like, improvised. No! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, Kelly, Kelly Rowland just dropped the F bomb. It's not in the script. Uh, oh. And she had to apologize later for it. Um, yeah, they got into a bit of trouble about that one. I've always defended
1: her that she got the raw deal after the split of Destiny's Child. Especially, and that film clip where she texts her boyfriend back on Microsoft Excel. Like, yeah. uh, you know she she's had a bit of a raw deal in her life maybe because she's a homophobe
0: well be- beyonce was in gold member which is you know yeah. much better than Absolutely. this too so yeah no, must have sucked to see her, her bear mate achieve such heights in gold member and be left with got your nose <laughs> so there are also some
1: potential different versions of this film over the years. One that stood out to me was uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and Battlestar Galactica scribe uh, Ronald D. Moore, also the script writer for Mission Impossible 2. He had a version in which Jason is finally caught uh, which was a legal drama with Freddie representing the opposition <laughs> against Jason, which I, oh, thought, I thought sounded <laughs> kind of cool.
2: My cousin Freddie. Yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> um, I feel like there was a version that I, I
1: want to say was by uh, potentially Peter Jackson, even, in which teenagers would get so drunk that they passed out, just so that they could beat up Freddy in their dreams. <laughs> yeah, I think that that would have been a really fun version.
0: One thing I'd like to bring up, and the more um, Braga draft is interesting, and it it plays a lot on the meta stuff that was happening in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, like as in jason is a real killer the movies are based off him so it's pretty scream too but um i i think the problem with it is it's too serious i think a versus movie should be silly (laughs) um and i think the final product's pretty good but the original draft is one of the funniest things (laughs) i've um, is, ever the, is this the <laughs> Dominic Piccox draft of uh, the film? Uh, no, not quite. Dominic doesn't come into it until a little, little later in the 90s. The first draft was um written by Lewis Abernathy, who and I'm I'm quoting the book Slash of the Titans by Dustin McNeil, which is a fantastic source text about all the drafts and um, everything that led up to the wonderful um, 2003 version that we've um, got. If our listeners
1: are interested, we will be displaying the entire text (laughs) of uh, Slash of the Titans in uh, 140 characters each in a 900
2: tweet thread on our Twitter page. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, this this guy named Lewis Abernathy, who was an actor, a writer, a script doctor, director, effects maker, private investigator, surveillance es- surveillance expert, treasure hunter, armorer, weapons manufacturer, and deep ocean explorer, which he made him mates with James Cameron, Whoa. who also endorsed him for this script. And Abernathy even stars in Titanic. He's one of the people that that are part of the recovery crew like in the opening of the film. So he's also partially the basis for uh, the big Lebowski because uh, apparently the sequence where the dude and Walter track down that high school kid to get stuff uh, to get his homework out of a stolen car. Happened in real life to Aberthne, and apparently he was also struck with a coffee mug by a police officer, which also happens in the film. But basically his his outline is there is a cult. It doesn't have a leader that would later become Dominic Necross, but there's a cult of what would later become called Fredheads, who were trying to resurrect Freddy Krueger. And they take drugs and wear light-up sunglasses to go and communicate with him. And basically it ends with the two characters getting pulled literally into hell and there's a boxing ring and they fight each other and famous like mass murderers and stuff are in the audience. Like Ted Bundy and like Hitler and shit. Like it's, it's really ridiculous. But I I just have to mention like one of the funniest things I've read in this book was a Freddy kill where a A character uh, gets shrunk by Freddy and put in his nose and then gets chased around by a booger man who, according to the script notes, looks like a disgusting (laughs) green version of Jabba the Hutt. They battle, though Freddy soon tires of this back and forth and sneezes, splattering their corpse across a wall <laughs> but it's it's really ridiculous and it's probably the favorite draft that i read Freddy has a car in it called the nightmare bill and like the the exhaust pipes are like bowels and there's like skulls all through it and like the driver's seats are tombstones it's absolutely ridiculous and kind of following in on like the cartoonish Freddy that that, that appeared in Freddy's Dead, where oh, you had yeah. him, like, doing video game kills and dressed as the Wicked Witch of the West and doing all sorts of silly cartoonish nonsense. And
1: see, something that I wanted to touch on on this film before we go into the soundtrack is that that kind of MTV era of Freddy is really when he was at his high point. Uh, so for this film to really come out when it did in 2003 which it'd be I think I want to say 10 years since the La- a new nightmare maybe 14 years since a, a proper nightmare on Elm Street film that Freddy is just he's out of his element in this film and this film is a real turning point for kind of the slasher yeah. franchise and pop culture landscape 2003 you know was a real new era for MTV, let alone the MTV Freddy, as this would also see the year that, uh, punk Pimp My Ride, and Newlyweds with Nick and Jess, would, uh, usher in a new era for MTV. So to see, you know, the, the goofy music video Freddy. He's he's long gone by this point. I know I called him a, a horny greeting card by this point, but he, he's less than that. He's an old man that's just out of touch by the time this rolls around.
2: One
0: of one of the things that I thought of when we were when I was watching it again, that really lame sequence where he's got the main character in in the house and like he tries to literally finger her with his finger gloves it's 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 pretty gross and like compare that to say the original like there's that scene where the threat of Freddie's hand comes out of a bathtub to like to Heather Langenkamp the main woman um, in that series like approaching her and nothing happens and then this Movie's just like, well, mm, why don't we just take that a step further and just really be gross and grubby and not use subtext? Or it's this like cruel literalization. Yeah,
1: this film takes a lot of subtext and just makes it text.
0: And sa- same with the pedophile thing, like, instead of it just being something ambiguous lurking in the background it's it's brought to the fourth run and it's so crazy it's considering how like not cool pop
2: culture thing this movie rules
0: uh <laughs> talking about things that rule the soundtrack
2: <laughs> dita what did you think of the soundtrack sean what did you guys think of the soundtrack uh
1: i really enjoy that spine shank um, song i think it's it, it's the kind of new metal i like which is like i don't know i guess you could call it slightly more aggressive
2: like a bark <laughs> Yeah, uh, Dita made a really yeah. good point when we were talking about it the other day that this soundtrack, not only is it new metal it also is kind of the start of the new wave of American heavy metal so there's a lot of stuff like Hatebreed Who else was it? Uh... Uh, Killswitch
1: Engage is on there Yeah,
2: Lamb of God
1: <laughs> So for our listeners out there that'd be spearheaded by bands such as uh, Killswitch Engage Devil Driver trivium from autumn to ashes is who i'm thinking of yeah yeah that that kind of post 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 new metal pre-metalcore uh kind of style of heavy american heavy metal if you will uh it's shit this is not a podcast about the new (laughs) wave of american heavy metal
0: yeah no it's it's not good I, i i'd agree with you sean like the songs that sound more like traditional new metal are are the better ones, with the exception of perhaps Slipknot's Snap, which is just a leftover from their first album, and it should stay that, leftover. That's a really
1: good mushroom head track on here. That's I really the first that
2: time one. anyone has said that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: favorite lamb of god tracks is on here which is is pretty lamb of god would be a big new
1: wave of american yeah metal yeah, band. yeah you know they they were a real big the, all those bands were really big for like guys in like uh baggy baggy jean shorts globe shoes and like a trivium t-shirt that would um Always take the <laughs> yeah. drum kit during music <laughs> lessons in high school. Like it's a yeah, it, it's a crummy genre. It, it doesn't have any backwards caps. It doesn't have any jingos. It doesn't have uh, the so best true. rapper alive, Fred Durst. Yeah. I'm leaving. I'm leaving this this genre in the background because yeah. what I want to talk about, fellas, is. What is your body's hit the floor score? The
2: body's hit the floor score? The body's hit the floor score! Dieter, as you're the guest, I'll allow you to go first. Uh, for the soundtrack
0: or the. The film? whole
2: experience?
1: Uh, the ho- the whole package.
0: I'd have to give it a four. I really like the movie. I, and this, this soundtrack is a pretty good time capsule if you like those genres, like it has, you know, it has Gothenburg stuff in it, it's got metalcore, it's got old school new metal, you got the gothic stuff yeah, that's typo negative. Um, did I want to listen to it five times this week? No, <laughs> but I think for the time, it's pre- pretty decent. That is four and a half
2: more times than I listened to the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna...
1: Yeah. Sean Say my name, bitch.
2: Sean, what do you uh what do you reckon? How many bodies have hit the floor for you?
1: I'm gonna give this two and a half bodies hitting the floor. And it's the the top half of the body with the brain and also <laughs> the hands, because I feel like this swung for the fences and tried to do some cerebral stuff. But it didn't have the legs to stand on. Hey, how about that?
2: It's
1: like a full circle.
2: I'm going to give it three very charred to a crisp bodies that have had their guts cut out with a cool machete. Um, I, I enjoy this movie every time I watch it. As a side note, I think every time I've watched it in the last 10 years has been. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a lot of very fond memories of just watching this movie and being flabbergasted by how fucking stupid it is. It never gets old. Okay, Al,
1: you know what I'm going to ask?
2: Yeah, shit, I do know what you're going to ask, Sean. Sean, what are you going to ask?
1: What is this film's Six Degrees of Fred Durst number?
2: Six Degrees of Durst. 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 Durst. Shake my friends the knife! Alrighty, I'm going to just... Crunch some numbers here. I'm gonna put it in stand back,
1: everybody. The man is doing some coding. We need
2: some space. So, using the fantastic analytics, I have used Kelly Rowland as the uh, the source to the pathway for Fred Durst this film has a Fred Durst number of three Fred Durst was in a movie called Play Dead with Michael Beach Michael Beach was in The Bounce Back with Shamar Moore who was in The Seat Filler with Roland. This. F- <laughs> so you know when you listen to this podcast not only do you get uh, a bit of Hollywood insight you also just get fantastic mathematics solutions to everyday questions
1: <laughs> I feel like I learn so much every time we talk
2: <laughs> I feel like every time I do this with a friend Durst numbers my brain just gets <laughs> <Like> <laughs> you're using maths every time for I try good explain it. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> look before we go Dita I'd like to say it's been a pleasure but it it hasn't been. That has <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's> been fantastic. Thank you for
0: having me. thank you so much for so being our first guest. We'll definitely have you back on sometime. Crimes Do you wanna on give Spotify, some plugs for Apple Music, Bandcamp, um at some most uh, platforms. It's a twenty minute kinda album, fake soundtrack kinda deal, so enjoy that there i also am on letterboxd as gremlin xcx so follow me up there if you want to see how many times i've seen freddy versus jason um <laughs>
2: beautiful thank you so much dita and sean as always is there anywhere that people who love new metal and movies can find out about new movies from us on if the internet. If you'd like
1: to follow along with the Take a Look Around audience, you can find us on Instagram as Take a Look Around Pod, on Twitter we are Take a Look Pod, and on Facebook we are Take a Look Around Podcast. Now, to take us out this evening we are going to be treated to the beautiful Dieter Smith playing in his Future Slash Crimes project, a cover from the Freddy vs. Jason soundtrack. This is Beginning of the End by Shank.